This is gonna make you a ton of money. There's a strategy, and I made a video about this, it's called owning the hashtags. What you do is you create a custom hashtag that has like no views. When you click on a hashtag, you can see exactly like what the total view count is. What you do is every post you ever create and you put out, you sneak that hashtag in there with everything else. Just put it in a blender and mix it up. We started at like 300 views on the hashtag hockey trainer. I couldn't believe that that was that specific. Now that's at like 25 million views. Oh my God. But here's the thing. So now we rank and populate all the top videos on this hashtag. So anytime somebody shows up, boom, they're discovering his content, but you can take it a step further. On TikTok ads, you can target hashtags. You're targeting people that have already watched your content. Tell me what is one decision that you've made that has made all other decisions in your business easier? I would say something, but the camera's already rolling. I don't necessarily want to sell the business, but I realized if it's built on me, that is a cap and a limitation. So now it's about building systems. Many business owners are managing their own companies when they could establish their own additional company that's called a management company. Investing in myself so that I can decide in what order I should be doing things. Deepak Jamie, I always ask everybody the same question at the beginning of the episode, which is what is one of the simplest decisions that you guys have made for your creative agency that has made everything else easier for you guys? Well, I'll just go ahead and start for me. It was quitting my job. So <laughs> a year ago, I was working full-time job for the federal government of Canada. It's crazy that how much can change in one year, but I was trying to do too many things, balancing the podcast, balancing working this full-time job, and trying to grow this agency at the same time. You know, the easiest thing to let go was that and go all in. Why, why were you, why was it like a, a safety thing that you were worried that the agency wasn't going to necessarily work out? Yeah, well, we weren't making the type of money we were then. And, and you know, I hadn't, I had a lot of like head stuff that I had to like work out from being an employee to actually owning a business sure. and employing other people. And so a lot had to happen between that year, but making that jump, making that leap, by far the biggest thing for me. And uh, someone's listening to this right now, uh, we'll probably go into it a little bit later, but just so we can give something right off the bat here, they're doing the employee thing and they're doing the business thing. Like, did you do a pro and con chart? Was it like you were trying to think like, okay, should I take this risk? Did you wait until the business was making a certain amount of money? Like, you know, I hear two schools of thought. One one is like, burn the ships, go all in, right? And then the other one that's like, no, wait until you make enough. And the other one that you can leave the like nine to five. So like, what's your advice around that? Well, I actually stayed at my job for like two, three years longer than I wanted to. Wow. So as much as I heard everybody talking about burn the ships, go all in, forget having a fallback option. That was not the reality for me. I'm a little bit more risk averse than that. Sure. I needed to build up. You know, I bought a house. I, I was doing a lot of travel. I was investing in, you know, all these, this type of equipment here for my podcast out of my own pocket, I knew that it wasn't going to be something that wasn't going to be sustainable for me, just going all in without a clear path. Yeah. But, you know, at a certain point when it becomes unbearable and it's just like, you got to go. Did you see this. the other end? Like, did you see like that there was, did you start making maybe a little bit more money? Like, was there, was it like some kind of sign or catalyst that lets you know, okay, 
this is more viable than it was six months ago or 12 months ago? Or was it just the literally the pain from the nine to five that you couldn't do that anymore that you did the jump? I, I, like, I wish I had a beautiful, like, nice <laughs> answer for this, but really, like, the catalyst was COVID. It, it got oh, to a wow. point without, without getting political and stuff. Yeah. You know, the job was no longer something that I wanted to or could remain at. Sure. And so it kind of almost forced my hand in my decision where I'm just like, I am going to, now I have to go all in on this thing. And I made a decision and I think it worked out pretty well. That's awesome. And Jamie, you, it's what would be one of the simplest decisions you made that's made everything easier for the business? Yeah, so for me, it's it's so obvious. And it was in February, we were, you know, we were, Deep was in Columbia. I was based in Canada, kind of holding down the fort. We had a bunch of remote clients uh, in America, and I went to go visit a bunch of them in Los Angeles. So my third night, and I was telling you a bit before the show, I was out for uh, a dinner with mutual friend Chris Cunningham. And we put up our first video with him, and he looks at me, and he quite literally said, right after Ryan Reynolds walked past us three times, which I thought was a sign because Ryan Reynolds is like the most famous guy from our hometown. Yeah. And uh, he's like, Jamie, literally word for word with your skill set, if you move to Los Angeles, you will own the city. And I decided to cancel my flight home. And that seven-day trip turned into what's now been like 10 months. (laughs) And I I never went home, decided to uh, move to the United States. Now we're based here in Miami. And that kind of changed the business entirely. It restructured the company, made us allocate capital that we didn't know we were going to allocate to immigration fees and all those sort of things. And I, I think it was one of the happiest decisions I've made my, of my life. I think it's one of the best business decisions I've made in my life. And I can't be... Uh, I can't understate that little choice. And Jimmy, what was the situation at that point, right? So were you, because you said like you reorganized the business and you reallocated capital. So like, were you guys partners at that time? Like, because it seems like you both were like, oh, I don't want to use the word half-ass, but it seems like both of you guys were kind of like half in the business, half out of the business. So were you guys partners? Were you guys both doing this on the side? Like, what did that look like? Yeah, so in February, it was Deep and I, we were both 100% full-time allocated to the agency. So he left for Canada. It was November 2021, February 2022. I'm in Ottawa at the very beginning of it. He's in Columbia. Columbia. We're kind of operating it remotely. And most of our clients were in-person Canadian clients that we were kind of working with. And then we got really, really fortunate where one of our clients was really starting to take off in the marketing space on TikTok which attracted a lot of attention from American business owners who then became our first remote clients. So that was kind of how the business was really going. And then as soon as I left, the restructuring was like, okay, I'm no longer running the shoots back home. So the videographers that I've been working with then had to basically take over operations. So that was the first big challenge was knowing I can't return even if I want to. And how can we start building SOPs? Because we didn't really have anything. It was, we had a great service. We were able to, you know, provide a lot of value for the people that we were working with, but we hadn't like systemized anything at that point. It was just, let's figure these things out. And we were just figuring out service delivery up until that point, what it's going to look like. The offer wasn't even done. We didn't even have like price points like, at a at a specific area, we're kind of just like shooting them up all over the sky and fi- <laughs> figuring out what sticks. So that was a lot of the restructuring was 
making sure that we could, one, put the ego aside and put trust in a bunch of other people who are younger than us, but hustlers to run and operate pretty much an entire company without us there, two, expand the business into an entirely new country, and then three, eventually Deepak and I came together in the United States and settled on Miami. So that was a very hectic couple months. And what was the, uh, and this is interesting, right? Because you guys are a, you know, you guys are the short form kings, right? So you guys crush, you guys are creating content. So for those of you that don't know, um, you guys create essentially content in person, you know, script, shoot, edit, and then publish slash distribute for your clients on all the social media uh, platforms, right? And obviously we've had the pleasure of working with you guys and scaling with systems as well. And so I've always found it so interesting. And now that I have a little bit more of a background story, because in that instance there, it was like you guys were running, you guys were remote, but you guys were servicing in-person clients for a social media offer, right? Yeah. So it's like these different facets that are running at the same time. So, and we've talked about this before, but either one of you that wants to go on it, what was the in-person element that was like so key in what you guys are doing? Like why was when you guys went remote, why did we not just decide, fuck it, let's make everything remote. Why do we have to have our clients still uh, in person for the shooting? I feel like the accountability that's built into us being like, we're showing up, like we're coming, we're pulling up on you and we're shooting this content, whether you kind of want to or not. That I feel like has always been the difference maker and like the care and attention and detail that you get. And also, you know, what we found has been a struggle, quite frankly, with like doing things remote is that you're now like passing too much responsibility back onto the client to do too much work. Sure. So now I need you to go film these things. And obviously we've, you know, and we've talked about this kind of at length, but like, you know, there's different ways that we can combat that by having, you know, you know, people check in and different SOPs for feedback and having virtual directors and people come and like do all this stuff. Time and time again, it just keeps going back to in-person is the offer that's crushing it, that gets the best results, that has the most buy-in. And honestly, when you have something in the schedule, like you have you know, your massage therapist is coming at this time, you have your doctor's appointment at this time, whatever, you show up to you those You just get things. it done. You yeah. get it done, whether you kind of want to or not. Content's just another part of those that puzzle. Of is, most, is most of your clients that you're servicing then, are they people that are like, you know, like for me, right? I get, you know, whether Jack or my creative team is here or not, I can sit in my room and shoot 10 videos by myself. I had been doing that for years previously. I like that they're here now and it makes my life easier, but I wouldn't say I would need to have people there. So is your clientele typically somebody that like maybe they're not shooting a lot of content right now and so having it in person like make sure because i know i mean i even talk to people that they're like oh if this person's not here or that i'm not going to get it done right and it's almost when they say something like that you know either they don't value it enough or they don't understand it enough so is that more your clientele or do you work is it like a, across the board 99 percent of it is that got it so so there's a type of people who are just like i don't want to think about it but I'm paying you guys a lot of money to think about it. For they just me. want to sh literally show up show and up. talk on a kid. And I, that's a huge selling point. That's like literally a part of the selling proposition. It was what we started this business on, Jamie and I together, just like a quick backstory that I can let him kind of dive into. But that just show up thing just keeps coming up. I'll let Jamie dive into it. Yeah, our, our very first client working together. Shout out to the man, Tony Greco. <laughs> Love the guy because he really helped start our, our careers. And so Deepak brought me in as a videographer. We weren't business partners at the time, but we had I'd been on his podcast. We'd hung out a bunch of times and we always just like gelled as bros. But 
we met through a business context. So he he brings me in and we realized as soon as we started working together, I saw Tony and I was like, he trains NHL players. He's a super charismatic, jacked Italian who has sold his company for millions of dollars and done incredible things and is a bit of a local celebrity. I was like, this guy has crazy potential. So I looked at Deepak and the initial contract wasn't for TikTok. It was 100%. We were working with the Ottawa Police Services, setting up a website and recording workouts for the cops <laughs> to watch. The thing, yeah. So it, it was like, it wasn't, TikTok wasn't a part of the plan. So we go and I had grown like my own TikTok account for a local thing. It was like, I want to hikes and adventures. And I was the hidden gems guy of Ottawa and grew that from like zero to 30,000 in like eight weeks. And so I had a kind of, I had a pretty good understanding of how the platform worked. And I looked at deep, like during the first shoot, I was like, this guy should be on TikTok. So we put him on TikTok and the first month of content got 10,000 followers. Oh, wow. And we realized, holy crap, like we have all these hockey players from around the world that are wanting to learn from Tony and how to train like an NHL player. We should probably create an info product to sell to them, which is identical to the training that he does for his NHL guys. So and our that's first, where we messed up. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> so our business wasn't a TikTok agency to start. No, it was we, a, it was a everything. <laughs> yeah, we, you he would call me up and be like, "You make websites, right?" It's like, of course, I yeah. make websites. <laughs> of course, <laughs> I've never made a website in my life. He's like, "Deep, you do videos, right?" I'm like, "Dude." My level of making videos is hitting record on my podcast camera and being like, let's go, right? So for like just a little bit further context to what Jamie's saying here, I had a little media company, whatever that means, <laughs> taking random odd jobs here and there, doing that type of stuff. That's how I kind of clicked up with Jamie when he was starting to, you know, do some TikTok stuff. And then we came together, blew this guy up on TikTok and then thought that we should monetize it because the dude wasn't paying us. <laughs> so we're just like, let's, let's, um, and he knows this. Like, Tony, you're out there, you know this. Uh, we love you, Doug. But, you know, we, we had this like revenue share thing of like, let's build this course for this guy, a website, the funnels, the ads. And we did everything under the sun. And we fell into that trap very early as an agency of like, we'll do anything and everything under the sun. And then, yeah. And then the tagline that we, got that deal secured with was, listen, just show up. Uh, like we, we set for up, him. For him. him to we had a full proposal that we made in Canva called Just Show Up. I like that. <laughs> and it was, yeah. we will do all of it. We'll do Interesting. All you, you have to do you. Is, is show up. I, I want to also unpack for one second because what you just said was like, I think the thing that most people mess up, like I talked to my sister who just started her like little advertising agency and I talked to my friends who are just kind of getting started in this world and I don't know how to do that is what they say. And I was exactly like what you said. It was literally like, oh, can I do a Facebook ad? Sure. Can I do YouTube ads? Yeah, no. I mean, with the power of information, we live in, live in the age of information. I was literally, and I guess maybe I'm just a better bullshitter than some people are, right? <laughs> and I just was like, I would just say yes. I would go figure it out because I always knew in my heart of hearts that if if I couldn't do it, then I would just give them their money back, right? Or I would just tell them I couldn't well, do it. Well, I took it. it one step further, Ravi. I knew I couldn't do it. <laughs> and I just knew other people that, that could. could do it. And I learned very quickly that I'm just good at just delegation. Yeah, that's, I love that. I love that. <laughs> so, so for the agency, uh, it becomes the genesis of this. And I'm assuming that, because Deepak said, that's where we fucked up. I'm assuming that that course thing didn't blow up. No. It didn't work out well. No, no but 
but the TikTok did. Okay. The TikTok did. And then and people kept like hiring us to do TikToks. Like, so how did people find out about you for like, hey, did they like they ask him, Tony? I think you said his name. Yeah, was, Tony and... made us a few intros. Nice. I think uh, we got like three clients just from him making intros. And what are you? Us. What were you charging at this oh, point? Oh, bro, like a thousand Canadian dollars. Just <laughs> <laughs> like was that like hundred twenty dollars yeah. USD? Yeah, okay. yeah like. <laughs> <laughs> it was dollar store TikTok, you know? Yeah. Um, it was it was kind of nuts. But then we had some other friends of ours that were in internet work that were pretty successful young killers in Ottawa. And shout out to Hayden Cash. And he took a chance on us when he was like, I want to blow up on TikTok. I've seen what you guys have done with Tony, uh, a mutual friend of ours, Adam. We helped grow. And then same with my own account and all these other accounts. I think we probably had like six or seven accounts that were at least at 25 or 30,000 followers awesome. within a couple months. And he was like, I'm going to do two posts a day and I need a team to like be a part of that. So we started working with him in August of last year. And by December slash January is right around like 50,000 followers. So that was the catalyst that really, really took things off for us because him being a marketer in the marketing agency space, he has a more sophisticated audience. And that's something we learned as we went through this journey is that not all audiences are kind of equal. It's much better, as you know, yeah. to have 10 people that are going to buy than it is to have a million people that might just scroll past you. And he had this incredibly deep audience because he's giving such valuable advice and, and perspectives. And he put out a video at basically saying, Everyone keeps asking how my videos are made. It's actually my boy Jamie making them and let him and I'll let him explain. So I hopped in and we did this little collab. I had 120 DMs wow. from entrepreneurs from all around the world. And I think we closed like seven of them. Wow. And a couple of them were, I think all of them actually were in the United States. So that yeah. increased our, our business and our presence in the U.S. around December and January. Of was that like the richest you'd ever felt in your entire life yeah. at that point? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I was yeah. like... I remember the first like 10 clients I closed in a short period of time because I was still comparing myself to me being like a waiter at that time. So mm -hmm. I was like... Me this too. Is the richest, like, even yeah. the money I make now, I was like, this is the richest I've ever been in my entire life. That kind of spending money that I'm still comparing it to $2,000 a month, which is just nuts if you think about it. Crazy. And, and for the um, for the the seven or 10 people that you closed, they were in the US. So was it in person still? Were they going to come to Ottawa so or what did it look like? When, this is kind of when we realized, oh, oh shit, we might have to do this remote because <laughs> we can't just send Jamie everywhere. Yeah. And mind you, we did. <laughs> we tried. Um, but, you know, we, we learned pretty quickly that that's not sustainable. That's not something we're going to be able to do. So let's try this remote thing. And, you know, another piece of this puzzle that's kind of like running around the same time, December of last year, is, um, you know, we had uh, one of our clients actually decided to start a very similar agency to ours. And, um, you know, they were, they, they offered to basically have us like white label, like, like do they sell, we fulfill. Right. And so they had brought us a bunch of clients as well. So we actually had like a 60K month last year in December. And it was like, but we had no systems. And it was, it was more than half of our revenue people, for the year. <laughs> three people on the team, including me, who doesn't shoot video, post video, edit video, do anything. I just do basically sales and run the ops of the business and business development stuff. But like, I don't do any of the service delivery. So we're like scrambling now to like, refine our offer, our systems, hire, legal, all the things that you have to do to make it a legit company. Um, you know, that that whole white label thing didn't end up working out. 
But what we realized is that like, hey, like we, we're crushing it for all of these clients that are technically not ours. And then our, our ego kind of is like, why don't we just do this for ourselves? Why don't we just run this offer for ourselves, charge three times the price and continue getting these results for people? And we kind of did that. So what were you doing though for the people that were uh, like the, that were being white labeled? Was it remote? Yeah, it was remote. It was okay. remote, remote scripting. We Got would, so that we would get on these like strategy calls, script out their videos for them. Be like, okay, when you film it, I want it to be like this. I want you positioned like that. I want you setting up the camera, the lighting, kind of coaching them up. They would then send us the content, editor downloads the content, edits go up onto Google Drive, social media manager slash poster, then takes it from Google Drive, distributes it to TikTok. That's how that was kind of going and operating. And that to, the, to this day, that's still how the remote offer is going. It's just a little bit more refined and yeah. a lot better. And there's and, a, few and other, yeah. a few other pieces. But we basically looked at it. It was just pure math. It was like, wait, they're charging us this rate. I can charge 3x this, keep all of the money ourselves, be much more profitable, and it's the same work as long as we can get leads. And then we realized our clients get us leads for us. Yeah. Let's kind of talk a little bit about like the partner. I'm always interested in partnerships, right? Uh, you know, so like, how did you guys come together? You know, you both have such unique personalities. I had the pleasure of hanging out with you and Medi in Colombia, which was awesome as well. Get to know you like a little bit better at our last mastermind. And so like, I'm curious how, like, how did you two find each other? And then how did the business, I know you said he was on your podcast. So like, did that happen? What, what's like the genesis of the actual partnership? Yeah. So um, like I, we kind of like sprinkled in here a little bit. I, I had started this podcast actually back in like 20. What's the name of the podcast? It's called the not that deep okay so i little, like that that's cool let's cool. play on the name yeah so that podcast actually all Damn, of that those... is a good name yeah what's <laughs> your name like that we gotta get you a sign do you have a sign <laughs> no not yet bro we gotta get you a sign i'm about to build one of these studios are you Miami, yeah that's the next then, one then i'm gonna do it right cool, i'm gonna have cool. all the branding on point <laughs> um but yeah the podcast like while i have my job was really the thing that where i met the tony grecos where i met a lot of the clients that he had kind of you know listed off the, the people that became our first case studies were guests of my podcast slash friends slash just people that I had just been like, hey, let's just talk shit for an hour. Yeah. Like, you know, that was that was literally the premise of it at that point, right? And um, I had, from that, that's where I had gotten some opportunities because I, like... I was working this job, right? And I don't know about you, but when you're working a job and you're talking to all these killers, all these entrepreneurs, people like athletes, people are just doing really cool stuff. For me personally, I was like, what's special about this guy, Robbie, yeah. bro? Like, what's he doing that I can't do? But why, why am I slaving away at this job I hate? And he's killing it, making how, however much. I'm like, so I'm like, why can't I do this? And so a few opportunities came my way. And just like I said, like I had um, opportunities to work with on some contracts, just some random freelance gigs. And a big one fell in my lap, which was with the city of Ottawa police during COVID, filming these videos with this personal trainer that I met. And I had never filmed the videos. I just called up my boy who films videos. I had never made a website. I called up my boy who makes websites. I had never done a sales call. I'm like, like I, I'll do it. I can run that. I, how, how bad can I be? So all that happened, and it was the formation of my first little media company. This is before I met Jamie, and it was called Deep Digital Media. Uh, you know, like I've, I put my name in. I like the play. <laughs> you're gonna, like, you're gonna really Trump, like... Cardone. I feel like they do it right. I don't. I'm not hating. This is called the Ruby Wallace Show. So I'm not, <laughs> you're not gonna hear any hatred from me, my man. Exactly. But you know, at that point, 
I was learning so, so much that I didn't know about business. I just knew nothing. This thing kind of fell in my lap and I was just good at bullshitting, talking to people, connecting dots, whatever. But I had no idea the first thing about business, right? But I did know that I needed to keep doing the networking, meet people, collaborate with people. And so I, I had been on LinkedIn and I'll let Jamie kind of take it from here because he loves to tell this story. Yeah, so then the next phase of it is I get he slides into my LinkedIn DMs. Oh, damn. <laughs> I have like three. Was your in intro line? It's not that deep. <laughs> <laughs> it was. It was. Uh, it, we had like three mutual contacts, but I was like, okay, they all passed the vibe check. They're cool people, <laughs> and I, I maybe had like a hundred connections on LinkedIn. So I was like, okay, this is this is odd. So and it says like, hey, I'm looking to connect with some like Ottawa videographers. I saw that you're in the city. We have a cool, few cool mutual friends. Would love to chat. And I was like, oh, I appreciate that. It's kind of like a nice little message. Like so, I hit him up. Deep and I get on a phone call maybe a couple days later. No business was discussed. We talked for, what was it, maybe like two hours? Two hours, yeah. And it was, we just talked about travel. Yeah, it just passion or, for travel. We yeah. both have a very, very intense passion for travel. I've gone to about 32 countries and six continents. I'm 26 years old. You've gone to probably quite a few yourself too. Yeah, and like, so we both just talked and shared our favorite travel stories and, and bonded over that. And so... I always say when it comes to business relationships, it's really important that it's the big things that you're aligned on. Like the little micro details don't matter if the macro is Yeah, Jamie is the and I same. could not be more opposite yeah. just in terms of energies of like, and the things that we like to Physically, do. Physically, like. Yeah. <laughs> just in so many ways. Like we're just so different. You guys different are like upbringing. a cartoon <laughs> yeah. TV show, dude. Exactly. Like, that's why I love it though. You know exactly. what I mean? It works, it works well. yeah. Yeah, and I always joked and I say like we're macro identical, but micro like so different. And so he kind of messaged me and then we didn't really talk after that for a few months. COVID happened. I had three jobs before COVID, lost all of them due to the pandemic. But I've always studied social media extremely close. And I've always been a content creator. And I would argue that I study these social platforms even more than I do the craft. And I study the craft pretty intensely. So I knew the second I got laid off, everything, 100% of my time will be allocated to making TikToks. My first TikTok, if you check, was posted probably like 2018. I'm always trying to be first on these new things. And I went, I made like 90 videos because my my goal is to be a travel vlogger and nothing hit. I repurposed all my travel vlogs that I had on YouTube in a short form. I took all these like cool like drone footage from like Peru and the Philippines and Portugal and all the P countries. And I just try to like do these cool videos and nothing popped. And then I changed my position to being the local travel guy instead of the international travel guy. And this is the summer of 2020. And that's what I alluded to earlier, went from zero to 30,000 followers in eight weeks. Because what I realized was that during the very beginning of the pandemic, nobody was able to travel. Airlines shut down, airports were closed. So all my international content was useless. Yeah. It wasn't actionable whatsoever. You couldn't watch my video and immediately implement what I just told you. So there was friction with it. But the local things, that was not the case. You could immediately watch my video, go pack your bags, grab your squad, and go out to the spot that I just told you to check out. And I realized that I'm getting crazy shares. I'm getting like publications of me like in different local news articles and radio appearances and all these things and after a couple months i had like four million views in a local city of one million people wow 
And so Deep hops me on the podcast. He's like, bro, when I was talking to you, you had three jobs and you were like struggling to make ends meet. And now everyone in the city has seen your videos. I need you to tell this story on my show. So we go meet up for the first time ever and had an electric conversation. It was, I, I joke and say it was the conversation that started it all. And we both kind of just clicked and we knew it was like, whatever is going to happen from this point forward is going to be fun. Yeah. And then a couple months later, he brought me on to deep digital media. With, were you were you making money from the TikToks? Uh, sort of. I had like one brand deal. It was like with a pizza place for like 250 bucks. <laughs> so, so no. <laughs> like, I got hey, I got free pizza, hey. a free glass of wine, and 250. Hey, that's not bad. Because they were Ottawa's newest pizza place and they wanted me to market it. They sold 42 pizzas that day. Wow, that's that I'm confirmed good. for me. From 42 you? customers for me. That's not bad. That's some power there. Yeah. So. And did, so you guys do the a podcast, you start the and like when you guys were in the conversation in the podcast or post-podcast, whatever, was there some kind of conversation about like delineation of responsibilities? Absolutely this, not. That? Absolutely yeah. not. There was no discussion of working together at all. Zero. I just knew that he shoots videos. And I, like I said, I'm good at knowing what other people are good at because I'm not good at those things, <laughs> right? So I, I, I just kind of put that in my back pocket and, and I knew that um, I always have video work coming kind of my way now. And so this... This kind of happened with this, um, you know, personal trainer guy. And I had an opportunity where I'm just like, hey, Jamie, you want to just come shoot some video and stuff? He's like, yeah, but like my camera is like really shit right now. Like, but like, I'd love to come. Like, and he came, we shot some videos. And that's when he kind of came up. Or actually, right before that, we had hung out a couple times, like went on a couple hikes and stuff. And I'll never forget this. I was like in the car one day and he had blown up on TikTok at this point. And I was like, dude, like, you know, like you're good at this, right? Like, you know, you could like, I don't know, be like a TikTok consultant or something. Just casually, I dropped that. He's like, oh, no, like, I don't think I like for me, it's like it's good for me. But like, I just want to like, I just want it to be like my own personal brand. And I don't really think that I could do this for other people. I'm not good at getting clients. I'm like, I'm good at getting clients. <laughs> but I'm not good at doing what you do. So it was like a weird foreshadowing of what was to come. And so, yeah, we you know, long story short, we kind of started working together on that project. Then, you know, when we did this whole rev share deal and whatever, you know, our company did not start like with a plan to become a TikTok agency as a service. Yeah. We started it because we're like, we should have a contract. But for us to have a contract Beautiful with a third entity. party, we need an entity. <laughs> so literally like, that was the reasoning behind it. We got together with the little money we had, you know, formed our like Canadian equivalent of like an LLC. And uh, yeah, like the rest is kind of history. Hey guys, really quickly, if you're getting value out of this, please be sure to share it wherever you share things. Share it with your friends, your colleagues, your employees, share it to somebody that you know needs to hear this message. We put an incredible amount of work into these videos and these episodes for you. And all I ask in return is for simply to share it to somebody else that wants to hear that or needs to hear this message. All right, let's get back to it. I know people that are watching this right now, they're probably dying just like me to go a little bit deeper on like some of the things that you guys are actually doing to grow these oh, accounts, that's right? So that's like what I'm very curious about. So the two main things that first come to my mind is first of all, you know, when I, uh, obviously in scaling with systems or scaling initiative, when I have clients come in and they're helping other people get followers, reach, uh, you know, um, eyeballs, et cetera, et cetera, TikTok, YouTube, I guess the one typical disconnect that I see that we were, have to overcome is 
100,000, as you guys have probably figured out, 100,000 followers does not equal $100,000, right? So when you guys are either choosing your clients uh, or when you guys are working with your clients, is there something like, okay, you already need to have a sales funnel? Is it like, like, or do you even care at all if they're monetizing the followers at all? Or you're just like, yo, you just want more reach, we'll just bring you more reach? Like, Because obviously if you guys are paid off of a monthly service, at least in my eyes, for someone to want to renew next month, I would be like, how do I make sure they're making enough money from me? Like you sold 47 pizzas at the pizza place, right? Sure, he was stoked, and he, that was probably made him more than two hundred fifty dollars. So, like, what does that look like for you guys tying that connection between more followers, more eyeballs, and more money? Yeah. So, the first thing that we do when we're working with clients is we make sure that they have a, a functioning business and they're good at sales. Because we used to take on yeah, the way anyone. you guys looked at each other. I knew that that wasn't always the case. <laughs> no, <laughs> when it started, like around October of last year, we would have taken anybody that was willing to strike a check because we were like, I can blow you up. Yeah, I don't care who you are. I was like, I'll take you and you will get famous. And I think that was one of the things we talked about on our original onboarding call for yep. Scaling Nation was identifying the avatar a little yeah. bit more. Okay, cool. Absolutely. Yeah, like, like very short story. We had... One specific client got them, I think, 35,000 followers in like two months from zero. And we were crushing it. And then conversation comes up. I'm like, yes, but what's our path to revenue? And I was like, I'm, we're not here to make your business. Like, <laughs> like, I've done brother. this before. We're not doing that again. Like, yeah. that's that's up to you to decide. You got to figure out, like, how are you monetizing this? Like, you you technically could be pitching brand deals, but we are always going to make sure you have the most amount of attention it's now we make sure that it's up to our clients that they have that sales funnel done, that they have some sort of product or service that they can offer that they've already and that proven. That's high ticket. Yeah, yeah, yeah they're making ticket. enough money. And do you like literally make like, hey, yo, let's do a call to action video right now? Do you guys talk about that at all, or do you just let them kind of figure that out? No, so we so we script all the videos for them, and I actually have a very passionate opinion on this. Everyone thinks that your calls to action should be click the link in my bio to sign up for this. Never do that. Do not do that because the way that these platforms function is it's very simple. Zuck or ByteDance or all these companies that own these huge social media platforms don't want you to leave, leave the, the platform. platform. So if you start constantly doing your CTAs to be like, check out my webinar and my link in bio, they're never going to push you. But if you incentivize actions for within the app, now you have something great. So that could be incentivize a, a selfless follow. A selfless follow could be something along the lines of, I teach people how to achieve this. And if you have any questions, ask them below and follow for more. So now I ask you to selflessly like in your best interest, comment and follow me because I will help you out. I will assist you. Those are the things that actually I find move the needle or what also works is Instagram DM. Get them to like, because that one I find people are just very social on Yeah, and you can get them to another place easier. But that's something like I always instruct people and clients on is like don't don't get people to a and sales. You can do a lot with the pinned comment as well. Like they took it out. They took really? it out. Yeah, yeah. The TikTok took out the pinned comment. Uh. But I even think like so we did something. So right before we started this episode, I told you guys like, hey, sometimes when it's like just because of engagement, because we engagement is one of the most important metrics on these platforms. Like if it's the end of the episode, we're not gonna do this like whole winding down fifteen minute thing. It'll just be like bam, it's the end of the episode, right? And so we what I used to do on my YouTube videos 
and a lot of our content as I used to do the last 30 seconds to one minute was a hard call to action. But I think because it trashed the engagement and like you just said a moment ago, because it's taking them off platform, the videos were not pushed as hard. So now end of the video, it's just like, boom, end of the video. I, I have literally people in my comments that are like, yo, I think your video got cut out. Like, right. At, like, cause I just want people to watch the last second and then it gets turned off. So I think that's just such a good point. And the other thing I want to harp on for people that are listening to this back at home, you guys made an awesome change. And I remember we talked about it on the onboarding call and we just talked about it for two seconds, but it's like, you guys really didn't change your business at all or your service delivery. All you did was just decide who you were going to work with, right? So it's like, if you're listening to this right now and you're like trying to help clients and you're like, I know I do a good job. It's just, they're not doing a good job. They're not doing a good job. It's actually, so we have a value in our company. Number one value is extreme ownership. So mm -hmm. it's technically, it is your fault because yep. you are accepting people that although they have a credit card, anybody can come up with two, three, four thousand dollars you know that they're not going to like make they're not going to be able to monetize what you're doing and i think going that was why i asked that question specifically cuz you guys were like cool you guys are a monthly service, right? So it's like, they're gonna have to pay next month and the month after that, the month after that, you don't just wanna acquire someone they're done the next month. But the only way they're gonna do that is if they can monetize it. And the only way they're gonna monetize it is if they have a way, uh, a business and you guys sure as hell aren't gonna make a business, right? It's like, cause your two options are, you guys service someone who doesn't have a business and then you have to help them create a business. Which is terrible. You guys are having like sweating over here. I'm talking about it, right? Or the option number two is just simply go to someone who already has an yeah. established yeah, business. Yeah, because think about the opportunity cost too of serving those other people, yep. right? It's like I could have allocated resources towards the the superstar, the person who, you know, I'm going to get you the followers, the views and stuff regardless, right? That's just what we do. We are the best in the world at that. I can like honestly say that. There's nobody that does it as consistently and has as many case studies of doing that time and time again, industry to industry. We crush it on that end. But like we almost have this like ethical and moral almost obligation to be like, Let's save our sauce, our limited resources to the people who are going to benefit the most from it. Yeah. Because guess what? That benefits us the most. Exactly. You're, you're going to stay with us longer. Your case study just gets yeah. stronger. You're referring people to us. Yeah. Your business is growing. Our business is growing. Everyone's happy. This is just wins all around. It's funny. It feels a little bit backwards and even we've struggled with it at scaling systems up until five six months ago and now it's like there's a one pager that we have in a google document and if this person doesn't match eight to ten different things on this one pager we just won't work with them oh i'm right? stealing that oh I dude it's I'll, I'll, I'll show it to you guys at the end of this Shout it is the scaling with systems it's been nuts so it's stuff like you know a minimum of eight thousand dollars in the past 90 days average monthly recurring revenue they take phone call sales calls they've uh closed at least three to five happy clients every single month they have an owned audience of at least five thousand people so if they don't have one of those things we don't work with them mm -hmm. and when we made that change our client success has gone yeah. up our time to value has shortened a lot as well and so it's just like this positive cycle but it's it's almost backwards because you're saying no to business right yeah, and it yeah. like and you kind of have to come from this place of abundance yeah. and it's either i think you come from a place of abundance or like what you guys are saying you just deal with enough shitty people that you're just like all right this is not working right now you know what i mean yeah, yeah exactly and this uh the the next thing i want to transition to really quickly is the actual TikTok itself, yep. the platform, short form content. I, I'm really excited to learn about this. So, you know, the people that you're helping, uh, do they have some kind of, is it because they're experts? Like what is the prerequisites uh, to like blowing up on TikTok or whatever? Because I think probably a lot of the short form content is the same, right? Would that be safe to say or? 
Uh, well, there's so many different kinds of short form content that. I guess I mean short form platforms. Like if you do yeah. well on TikTok, will it do well on IG? Uh... Not necessarily. Okay. It's the, and the reason is, and I have a, a strange opinion on this that I haven't heard anyone else say, but I think it's a technology war. And I think it's one of the first examples that you're seeing of China just completely outperforming the United States. TikTok, and I don't know how much time you spend on TikTok, but it understands it. <laughs> so for everyone at home listening that does use TikTok, you know that the For You page is literally for you. It is a custom live analyzed feed that adapts to your current behavior. It understands how many seconds you just watched that last video and the next video it's gonna show you is going to be very similar if you watched it for a long enough duration or if you engaged it in a certain way by giving it likes, shares, saves, whatever. It adapts to your current mood, behavior, and all that stuff in live time and it's psychotic how accurate it is. It gives you what you want. That's yeah. what he's trying to say. Instagram's it not exactly like that. What you want. Instagram, how Reels is currently made is Instagram saw all their market share get taken up by TikTok. And at the time, Instagram was mostly photos with a little bit of video. And then they're like, we got to pivot our strategy. So they rushed Reels. What Reels is, is it analyzes the content or the people that you follow. And it shows you content similar to the people you've been following for a long time. So when I scroll through my Reels feed, I see a lot of mountain biking content. Well, I've been following mountain biking content since like, five, six years ago, but I don't really engage with that content as much as I used to. Yeah. I might see some hockey stuff because I follow the NHL, typical Canadian. <laughs> but those sort of things, it's very frustrating because Instagram's actually very heavily relied upon shares. And there's also a psychological difference in the behavior of people on each of those platforms. Throughout history, Instagram has been an aspirational platform. That's where you go to look at people's lives that are better than you. You want that booty. You want that Bali waterfall. Yeah. You want that blue ass water. You the want all those case. things. Yeah. You know, you want the abs. That's what Instagram has been amazing for. But TikTok rewards you for being relatable. And so sometimes dumbing down your content, being more vulnerable and authentic is what's going to get you rewarded. So it's not Filming necessarily... Filming a video in your car. Like yeah. you see those sometimes will outperform a video that's in a perfectly polished studio. In a setting like a, this. Yeah. And like, so and so when you guys are... Make, this is really awesome. So when you guys are... Someone's listening to this right now. Because I always say like... I mean, once again, you asked me, do I use TikTok? I, I downloaded it in COVID, right when COVID happened. I was on it for two weeks, and I felt myself getting stupider. <laughs> I literally was like, and I also would feel myself getting addicted. Like, I could, yeah. like, you know, you just look up, you're like, where did the last 40 minutes go yeah, of my time? You know what I mean? So I just, I, and I knew that I wasn't going to be smarter than this fucking billion dollar app. So I deleted it off my phone. I have never downloaded it since then. But what I do tell people is like, look, and, and this could be backwards because you guys probably, not probably, you guys are better at growing content than I am. So like I tell people, choose one main platform and go all in on that. Yeah. And then like one that matches your values. And like, so if you're more authentic, then maybe it's TikTok. If you do want to do more of the showcase, like you want to be the person with the Lambo, whatever, maybe it's IG. And for me, I like, I love YouTube. That's like, I'm going, we're going mm. all in on YouTube. It's my favorite platform out there. So if someone's thinking about that, do you think TikTok is good for anybody? Like, does it, do they have to be willing to do a certain style of content? Does it need to be a certain type of industry? Like if they're doing okay on Instagram, should they double down on Instagram? Instagram or should they just go on on TikTok? What are your thoughts on that? I think TikTok is far and away the greatest opportunity of outsized returns. R regardless of how you make your content, regardless of, you know, what your industry is or what you're talking about, time and time again, TikTok outperforms every other app for us. 
And it's actually, it's, we, we have so much data. Yeah. I mean, we, we're managing about 700 posts a month and we're distributing across all the platforms. So that's probably like 3,500 posts a month right now. In TikTok, I don't think we have a single client that has been outperformed on any other platform. And is it the same content between all of the platforms? It's the same content it's between same all of them. We, yeah, we test it always. And it's always time and time again TikTok because of the For You page. It just knows how... The algorithm is crazy, it's, bro. So and the for, user base, man. Like It is, and it's, it's, it's a bigger market. Google. Like More than Google. Like, is it? It's visited it was the most visited Google. website in 2021. And though. don't wow. sleep on it from a, from a YouTube perspective, right? Like This Search. is not me, me being like, you know, forget your YouTube strategy. No, no, I'm always But like, learn. if you have the piece of content, what does it cost you to put it on TikTok as well? Just... Bro, people are using it, the younger generation, this is even beyond me, like I barely understand this, okay? But like the younger generation is using it the way we would use YouTube or Google. They're searching what to, what to eat and dinner and brickle tonight, how to fix this tire in my car. They're literally using so it. So people, is it, can you rank searchable yep. stuff? Yes, on yeah, and you can oh. rank on hashtags and it's you can rank crazy, on sounds. Oh, man. I did not know that. Yes, yeah, so actually, I'm going to give you this for scaling with systems because this is going to make you a ton of money. There's a strategy, I made a video about this, it's called owning the hashtag, and we did this with Tony first. So what you do is you create a custom hashtag that has like no views. I would assume scaling with systems probably doesn't have a whole lot of views or competition on sure. TikTok. When you click on a hashtag, you can see exactly how many views the entirety of all the posts that have ever been put up, like what the total view count is. So if you're like in the thousands, that's good. What you do is every post you ever create and you put out, you sneak that hashtag in there with everything else. Just put it in a blender and mix it up. After you build this hashtag up, so what we did with Tony was we started at like 300 views on the hashtag hockey trainer. I could, I, I thought it was 2020. I couldn't believe that that was that specific. And now that's at like 25 million views. Oh my God. But here's the thing. So now we rank and populate all the top videos on this hashtag. So anytime somebody shows up, boom, they're discovering his content. But you could take it a step further. On TikTok ads, you can target hashtags. So what you do is you build up this hashtag over time organically. And now that you know that all the content for Scaling with Systems or SWS is yours, you're targeting people that have already watched your content. Yeah. Or like business systems. Yeah. Can you not, like, can you not just retarget people that watch your content the way it is on TikTok ads? I'm not an ads guy, so okay. I can't confirm. Interesting. But I do know that this is a strategy you can do. That sounds... I, that, I, We'll definitely try something along those lines. And like uh, how let's talk about hashtags. How I know on like YouTube, it's like less than 1% of the fucking hashtags don't really make a big difference. Yeah. And TikTok, like what are some of the foundational things? It's like, yo, have a good hashtag. Like what are the things that people need to be looking at when they're creating a TikTok? For sure. So hashtags are very interesting because what you're doing is you're categorizing your audience. The first rule that there is with hashtags is avoid the mega ones. A lot of people think use hashtag for you or viral or FYP for for you page. Don't do that because I want people to think of hashtags. That's where you're going to target people. You can snipe people the same way you do on Facebook ads, but organically by using the correct hashtags. So the strategy that we use is... Let's say for scaling with systems, you teach people how to do lead generation, you teach people LinkedIn strategy, you teach people all those things. 
So you get specific with your hashtags, but you need to make sure that there's enough of a market and an audience underneath it so that you're actually targeting people. By that, I mean bare minimum, it should have a million views. If it has less than that, I'm not confident that there's enough of a community for TikTok to really know who to put it in front of. So I would say over a million, less than a billion. And I would use kind of a mix of, you know, hashtag business strategy, lead gen, lead generation, LinkedIn, LinkedIn growth, and see those hashtags that are very, very specific to one, the content that you're creating for that specific post, but two, your agency, the things that you typically talk about. So you can mix in, even if you're making a post that's 100% not about lead gen, if you talk about lead gen frequently and that's one of your pillars of content, add that hashtag in there because you still want to be discovered. But here's the thing. My understanding, and this is not coming from TikTok because I can't get a hold of them, but just from observing the platform, how hashtags work, is that in order for the For You page to understand who to put the content in front of and who's the right people, it scans through the hashtags that are used in the copy and it can see the keywords, it can see the topics that are being discussed and it knows if there's say 50 million views on this hashtag, it's going to put the people that watched previous videos on that hashtag, they're going to be a part of the initial test group. So it's going to put the content in front of the right eyeballs first, which means it's going to be a little bit easier for you to get the right people watching, which is going to get you more views. Because if you use things like viral, who are you targeting? Like viral's not going to help you. If you have 14, 14 billion views on a hashtag, but you only care about agency owners making 20K plus per month, you don't want the 12-year-old daughter of somebody like checking that post And let's out. talk about that for one second. I think the biggest objection I hear around TikTok is the audience, the market, mm. right? The 12-year-old daughter, the girls doing the dancing. And I, I've obviously seen that it's that's not the case but i do know people that are you know decently well on do a good job on tiktok and they do say like when they compare instagram to tiktok as far as like the dm thing hey dm me this thing like the quality of the conversations and like you know economically where the person's at like two different people so has that been your guys experiences do you guys have clients that like sell higher ticket packages for more sophisticated people that are crushing it on tiktok or what is that yeah like? we've got some great stories on this one so do you want to go? Go ahead. Okay, because I'm excited. So yeah, <laughs> our biggest flex, our biggest flex as a company is we sold a yacht on TikTok. So the first video that we put up for a client of ours got 2.8 million on TikTok. The same video got 1.8 million on Reels. Two weeks later, the boat was sold. It was a 3.1 million dollar boat. We just launched uh, just under a month ago our first ever client in the private jet space. I can say with 100% confidence they have at least six leads. Um, I think three of them that have come in through the Instagram DMs are not about charters. They're about acquisitions of jets. So you're talking about a minimum ticket size of two and a half million dollars up to 50, 60, 70 million. Yeah. Like one of, one of the comments was someone who had a blue check and was a part of Dubai royalty. So, and was in, inquiring about chartering or buying. So, if you think that your audience is not on TikTok, we've sold a yacht, we have leads about jets, we have sold luxury homes. Luxury real estate, mortgages, all types of stuff. We've had businesses start from 
the audiences that we've had on TikTok. So like we've had people who are like in the marketing like agency space selling just basic Facebook ad services, start a whole adjacent education company that has surpassed their original like following revenue numbers, brand deal numbers. I can't share those numbers, but the, from person, the from the audience that they're from the original like audience. So your audience is out there. It's just how are you making that content actually speak to that audience? And to your original point, though, are there still more, like, does the total audience still skew, like, younger of the platform? Yes. But that doesn't matter if you are, like, what you was talking about with the hashtags, if you're putting out the right content for the right type of people. Those people aren't really going to care about like a 12 year old kid's not going to watch your yacht content but if you're just putting out like comedy content you're going into walmart and like throwing milk jugs at people like yes you are going to hit everybody because everybody wants to laugh but that's not what we do we don't work with influencers we don't work with people who are just trying to go mega viral and like get a couple brand deals or whatever we're working with people who are already seven eight nine figure people who are selling high ticket stuff who are about their business and they don't care how they don't care what app they're just get me results and that's just what we do and and for the actual video creation itself right so like let's take a slight little pivot here like what is the when you guys are scripting videos out is it like eight hooks, two bodies, like what are you guys doing when you're thinking of the hooks? What are some great examples of hooks? That be? And this is stuff that even we're like yeah. excited to learn about as well, right? Because like you said, take the YouTube content, repurpose it for TikTok. I know that we've done that before. I don't think it's like exploded on TikTok. So I'm sure there's like a step or two that we're missing. And in that instance, we're not even scripting it. We already have the video out there. So like, what is what are you guys noticing? What should we be looking at when it comes to creating the hooks, creating the bodies and the combination of those two things together? Yeah, so... For me, the body is actually not that important because the only part of the body that's important is the edit and making it as tight and concise as possible. Anything that doesn't actually add value, cut it out. But the hook, there's a couple tips that I can give everybody, especially for people like you that are in the edutainment space. So when you are creating educational content, you're a marketing agency, you're a realtor, whoever you are, there's a few things that you need to do. Number one, I always, always, always tell clients you need to qualify why you are the expert in your field on this topic. So if you were doing lead gen and you're teaching people how to get clients on LinkedIn, I would start and say something along the lines of, I'm going to teach you how to make $10,000 this month on LinkedIn. And this is coming from somebody who's done $5 million in cold outreach in the last two years. I qualified in that second part of the hook why, why you should listen to me. Every time we have a, a client who's like a doctor and every time that he gives health advice, we make sure that he says something along the lines of, this is my best recommendation for you to lose weight. And this is my perspective as an ICU doctor. He needs to qualify. Otherwise, people don't trust him. him. Yeah. Why, why should I give you any ounce of my attention? It's an attention-based economy. So that's number one. Number two is quantify everything. And the things that you have, you can quantify age, you can quantify hours. You can income, quantify revenue. income and dollars and revenue. You like uh, timelines. All that stuff is quantifiable. 
that video where we sold the yacht in the first two seconds, and maybe we could link this video so you... Like, yeah, that'd be just, cool. Just, maybe put in the show notes. Yeah, yeah just, awesome. just so people could just see and study it because it's actually such a great sales tool for me on basically every sales yeah. call I pull it up. But it's cool because in that first like two seconds of the video, he's like, this is the Ferrari of yachts. Or yeah. This is a $3.1 million. You, you it was the hook. the hook I word for word is, if you have $3.1 million in your bank account and you want to go fast, this is the Ferrari of yachts. Nice. So we made it like relatable. Everyone understands Ferrari mm -hmm. and $3.1 million. So that's really, really important. So when you say quantify, it's like any opportunity that you can to say a specific number, yeah. do that. Great yes. video for you. You're what, 28 years old? Yeah. I'm 28 years old and running, say, revenue numbers, say 10, 15 million. Sure. Cool. I'm 28 years old running a $15 million company and I started it three... How many years ago? Three years ago. Three years ago. This is what I learned about sales that I want everybody to understand. You qualified everything. You qualified why you are an expert on sales. And also, when you use these data points, what you're also doing is creating an outlier effect. Because, oh, 28 years old, making running a eight-figure company is such an outlier to so many people that it's like, oh my God, I it's have to listen to this. disturb their reality. They're going to be like, What? Half the people are going to be like, no. Yeah, what? Yeah, and yeah. they're going to watch the whole video. You talk about engagement, that's engagement. And, and do you see, like, so, you know, I'll be honest with you. Jack tries to get me to create TikTok unique content, but, you know, I'm very, like, like I said, I, I like YouTube. I have no problem with it because we have tried it out a bunch. But my question is, do you think it's possible to get hooks like that from YouTube videos? Or do you think a good idea would be to make a hook like that and then cut it to a YouTube video? Or like, what's your thoughts around that? So another great hook structure that I recommend for everybody because it's it's foolproof, it's idiot-proof, and it's easy. We need the idiot-proof stuff over it's, here. Okay. Just <laughs> ask a question. That's your hook. And use those principles. Like you could ask your question um, and add some quantifiable numbers in there. So what would be the fastest way to make $25,000 a month if you're starting from 5K a month? Well, if I am curious about the answer, I will watch the entire video. The beautiful part about questions is that when they're specific, because you can't have generic ones, but when you have a specific question and it comes across somebody's For You page, if I'm genuinely curious in your answer to that, I now have an incentive to watch the entire thing. Yeah. And when you're playing in a game that's all about watch time, yeah. your question sets up watch time really, really well. And so then the meat or like the body of the video is just get to the action. Don't don't have any fluff. Just make sure yeah, everything no, you no say is actionable. No more generic, like, here's my morning routine. Content. Yeah, so that no was my, gives that was my no next question. Cares. What are some of the biggest mistakes that you see? What are things that people are doing all the time that you just want to shake them and be like, stop doing this, this is why you're not growing? Yeah, so many people I see, one of the things that they really, really mess up on is their advice isn't actionable. So, for example... Uh, fitness, I think everybody can understand. You're into bodybuilding as well, so you could probably relate. So if I made a video, and let's say I was a personal trainer, and I was like, this is how you're going to put on muscle this month. You're going to increase your protein, you're going to be in a cal caloric surplus, and you're going to work out really hard. Like, no joke, I see that video all the time. You've probably seen it, like, some trainer try to do that all the, like, so much. It's like, nice, bro. <laughs> but... Take this notes. is oh, so you're saying don't tell them what they need to do yeah. the, the truth instead give them no, no just be ultra actionable and specific so yeah. what i would say is if you're trying to put on two inches to your glutes in the next eight weeks again i'm quantifying things 
then this workout split and this diet is something you need to do. And so then I would go into, you're going to be doing Bulgarian split squats at this percentage of your one rep max for this many reps, followed by you're going to be doing RDLs, this percentage of your one rep max for this many reps. You're going to do like, then set out the workout plan. And then I'm going to have you eating this much chicken with this much stuff. And like making sure that if you weigh 170 pounds, you're having at least like 180 grams of protein in your diet. That's so actionable that I can watch that video and immediately implement that advice. Yeah. And, and like, you know, getting tactical too, it's like, then the people can share it. Yeah. Then the people like save it. Then they download it. Then they like it. Then yeah, they so comment. Yeah, so they want to reference they, it later on when exactly, they're at the actual yeah. gym. Exactly. People aren't who's, specific enough. People who's are gonna extremely save vague. like the eat more protein. Yeah. It's like, oh my god, life changing advice. Like, <laughs> yeah. <thank you>. like, <laughs> but when you show like, no, like this is your timeline. This is exactly what you need to do. Don't waver from it, and give them like literally the blueprint. Everyone thinks, oh, I don't want to give out my secret sauce. No, every ounce of info you give for free is just validating why somebody should pay you. And that's why I love TikTok so much over the other platforms is because it's such raw feedback. It literally tells you what the market wants <laughs> yeah. to see. Yeah. And that's why like with our clients, the approach that we always take and like we always work in like minimum three, four months, right? And and we kind of like explained that to them. So like Bro, you might not hit in the first month. It's because we're throwing a lot of shit at the wall. We are gonna try a lot of different styles of content interview style content has been hot lately we do a lot of that that stuff's been hitting you know sometimes we just do the talking head stuff sometimes we like like to change sceneries and stuff sometimes we like to do action sometimes lifestyle content all types but we're gonna try it all and we're gonna see like what does your audience want to see we don't know we don't have like there's nothing that we do there's like we have like this you know crystal ball that we know like we know oh yeah dude week two we're gonna have this many followers you're yeah. gonna get this many deals this we just have data from thousands and thousands and thousands of posts and we just know that like oh yeah in your industry we know that this works pretty well but maybe you just don't have the personality for it. So, so let's you, try different stuff. Are you like, are you gathering that information almost like an AI like software so that the next time you launch something, you're like, I'm pretty sure this is going to work. So, and that's gonna so, so we'll save this for part two of, of, of this <laughs> podcast. Um, but Deep Social Brands, our company is is going to very much be becoming a data company. Cool. You know, we, we are like, we recognize that what we're sitting on is way more valuable than a monthly retainer. I'll kind of leave it at that for I now. like it. Yeah, that's but, a little teaser. Now, yeah. now they forced us our hand. Now we have to have them back <laughs> on the podcast, right? Yeah, I know we, we got to wrap this up, but like I really did want to get this one point across, right? It's this recurring theme that actually I'm kind of like figuring out while I'm talking it through with you right now. But it's like everything we do, whether it be travel, business, all these things that we like achieve in life, I think it's always so centered around people and relationships. And, um, you know, just thinking about like how did I land here to be on this podcast here in Miami the domino effect of all the things that had to happen right Mike Rama a good friend of mine who lives in Colombia to Mike his best friend who unfortunately we all know uh, just passed rest in peace to to Brad um you know he he was the one who pushed Mike to come to that event Mike was the one who pushed me to come to that event with him in Miami. We had both just hit Miami kind of for the first time together at your event. And that's, we joined you know, the scaling initiative right there and then. And our business has grown so much since that. And so Jamie and I just 
We're so grateful for everything that you're doing. You might not realize it yourself, but all this stuff that you do, man, like it is dramatically changing the direction of people's lives. So really, really grateful for man, you. Grateful for this That's awesome. Bro. I appreciate both you guys uh, saying that and thinking that, dude. That means the, uh, the world to me. That's the best sign-off we've had of this podcast so far. <laughs> so we're definitely going to promote this one. So anyway, uh, this has been an unbelievable podcast, guys. Really love chopping it up with you. We will 100% have a part two of this, especially since you guys are right down the road. I know there's a bunch of people that are uh, listening and watching this right now. Maybe they want you guys to help them out, which, by the way, as a shout-out to them, I've worked with these guys closely for 12 months now, and I've seen the testimonials. They're not bullshitting. That's why I wouldn't have had them on there if this was the case. Everything they just said was legit. So if they are listening and it's a business uh, and they know that they just need more attention in order to make more money and they maybe want to work with you guys or learn a little bit more of how that works, what's like the best way for people to get a hold of you guys? Yeah, Instagram's the easiest way to reach me personally so at deepakshama.co and just our website deepsocialbrands.com perfect yeah and then for me my instagram is james life that's james l-i-f-e-e -E, two e's at the end of it so and then deepsocialbrands.com talk about uh, tiktok for an hour and a half and then we give the instagrams as our sign off <laughs> <laughs> same on tiktok though same username same here, yeah. <laughs> i love it i love it awesome well i appreciate you guys hopping on thanks so much and we'll see you guys in the next episode